Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. Well, welcome everybody. My name is Doug. If you're, if you're new to Plum Creek, thank you for joining us. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're glad that you have chosen to be with us this morning. If you are a guest and have yet to fill out one of our communication or our contact cards in the chair backs in front of you, you'll find this card on the inside of this card. You're given a, a chance to fill out some information. And if you'd fill that information out at the end of our service, if you just drop that into our uh, popcorn buckets, we'd love to have record of your visit with us. If you're in the process of looking for a church home, this is an amazing community with some great churches, and uh, we work together in a lot of ways to be able to impact the spiritual climate here, and it's a pleasure to be able to do that together. We know that ultimately not everyone will end up landing here at Plum Creek, and that's okay, as long as uh, you will find a spot where you can get plugged into that'll help you grow in your in your faith journey, help you to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord, use your talents and your gifts for the cause of Christ. And, uh, and uh, that's what this is about. So thank you for joining us today. If we can help you with that, please let us know. A couple of quick things. Uh, first of all, I want to thank those of you that have been praying for our family. Uh, if you're on the prayer team, you, uh, you received this. My wife's brother, Brad, who's 46 years old, has struggled since his early 30s with some pretty serious heart issues. He had his first heart attack when he was 33. And I uh, got nine stints at that time, but long story short, his heart is really failing and he's working at somewhere between 15 to 20 percent strength in his heart. And so uh, he is uh, being prepped to put on the list to receive a heart transplant. And so my wife has been out of town with her family in, in Arizona. He's at the in intensive care in the Mayo Clinic in outside of Phoenix. So if you guys could just pray with me about that, I know uh, her family and I would really appreciate uh, just some extra prayer support during that time. He has three young kids. His oldest is in third grade, I think, and his youngest is not even in school yet. So there's a lot going on in their lives. So if you could pray with us, that would be awesome. Well, I got to tell you this morning, half of my heart is in Atlanta. Uh, because it was awesome to be in Atlanta last week. For those of you that have been around Plum Creek a while, you know we've been assisting a, uh, a dear friend of ours here at this church uh, to launch a new church. They started last weekend, so so we were able to be there last week as Keith got started. They're meeting in a movie theater just like we did when we first got started. He had over 500 people on his launch weekend, and I've got to tell you, this was this was just one of the fun parts. Uh, he he's from Alberton, Georgia, which is about two hours away from Atlanta. And uh, the service was getting ready to begin and a van pulled up from Alberton, Georgia, from the Baptist church that he grew up in. And it was some friends and family and they got out and it was like Medea arrived. And I'm not even kidding. It was awesome. Some of the most colorful suits I've seen in a long time and some big hats. It was great. I wish they could show up at Plum Creek uh, one morning because, man, it's like having a cheering section when you're preaching. It was awesome. And uh, we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But, man, so proud of him. Uh, I haven't heard yet how things went this morning, but it, it was just such a joy to know that we've had a small part in helping them launch their church. And we'll continue to help them this year as they're getting the foundation under them and, and uh, as God continues to to prepare them for the ministry that they have ahead of them. They did such a great job. So proud of them. If you're a guest with us, I want you to bear with us this morning. This is one of the weekends where I pause to kind of share with you uh, what I call the state of the church. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, this is a very powerful, awesome day for us. Uh, this last year has been an incredible one. 
I've got to tell you, I've been doing this over 20 years, and I can't think of a year that was more rewarding than last year and a year that was more difficult than last year. It's just been a major, major transition for us to move from the theater to this facility and all the things that took place during uh, 2013 to get us to where we are today. It's, it's, it's felt on a few days like an uphill climb, and we're so grateful that we are where we are. I am so proud of our staff. I am blessed with such an incredible team around me, and they have done such an, uh, just an amazing job this year. And our volunteers, many of you are here, sitting here this morning, many are serving all different areas of the building today, but I just can't say thanks enough for helping us to be able to be where we are today. We couldn't have done it without you. And uh, so proud of our church for the way that we've stepped up in so many ways. Uh, you guys are incredible. It's, my mind is so, and my heart is so full of great memories uh, of, of this last year. Just you and your family showing up to help plant trees and do different things that we've done around here. It's just been, <clears throat> been really amazing. So thank you so much. I don't know why, you guys, but God somehow in His master plan chose the church to be the hope of the world. When we teach the message of the gospel and we're passionate about uh, the truths of Scripture and we do what God has called us to do, we're the hope for, for, the hope for, for this community that we live in. And I don't know if, if that does something in you, but for me, that causes the pace of my heart to quicken a bit because I am passionate about the local church. I love what God has called me to do. I couldn't imagine doing anything different. I love the chance that I have to, to just pray and to seek God and to figure out what it is that He's calling us to do next and to lead the charge with an amazing crew of folks behind us uh, reaching this community with the message of the Gospel. I love this stuff. It's all I've ever done is be involved in the ministry. And I know that, that as great as 2013 was for us as a church, God has bigger plans for us in 2014. He's refining this dream and helping us to, to know exactly where it is that He's calling us to be. I forgot to mention something when talking about the, the challenge of 2013. Just so you know, some of you have probably missed Pastor Stephen leading worship for the last couple of weeks. I, uh, I gave him a few weeks off and well-deserved. He's the one that, that led the charge uh, for the last year and a half in our building program and to get us here, and he missed a lot of days off in the process and worked incredibly hard. So he's got a couple of more weeks off. We, we went to a movie on Thursday night, and he told me he feels like he's being punished. <laughs> That's how much he loves his job. So will you guys pray uh, with me for him that God would just totally help him to come back refreshed and renewed, and I know that he will, and it's just so awesome, so grateful for everything uh, that he's done. You know, you never know when God's going to place a dream in your heart. You never know how that's going to work. You never know how that's going to happen. And as Christ followers, we've probably all from time to time had those moments where God has just given us one of those God ideas and it just settles into our heart. They come all different kinds of ways. It could be in a time of prayer, a time of conversation, or sometimes, uh, sometimes you just know in your heart that God's calling you to do something. And that's that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Have you ever read somebody's journal? Hopefully you had permission. Like you're like, I'm not saying yes, right? <laughs> this week I've had a chance to, to read a little bit of a journal. And I believe today it's going to help us as we take a look at, at this passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, your iPhones, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Because in truth, that is exactly what it is. It's Nehemiah's journal of an experience much like the one I just described where God deposited a dream in his heart and, and we watch this dream come to fruition throughout the book of Nehemiah. 
In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity. Let me just share with you real quick a little bit of history so you can understand the template behind this this uh, this story. You know, the strength of of the um, of the Jewish people was during Solomon's reign, and they had built this incredible temple, and kind of the vision that King David had had came to fruition, and then. Then there became a serious decline. The Babylonians came in in about 586 B.C. The, uh, the nation was dispersed. And 250 years later is where we pick up this story. This nation has been disgraced. They're, they're, it would be like Washington, D.C. torn down for 250 years without the infrastructure that we've become familiar with and known. It, it was a disgraceful thing that that nation had gone through. And we pick up the story 250 years later. And Nehemiah is asking this question. I asked about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned. So those that were scattered are starting to come back, who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. What Nehemiah realized was that the nation had been disgraced, not just by being dispersed, but also because the infrastructure that was so part of this nation in the past had been destroyed. In particular, the wall had been brought down and that wall was a symbol of strength. And that was the way that that a people group could be protected in that day and age was because there was a literal wall built around their city. So these people are starting to come back from from uh, from captivity uh, back to this this place. But it was disgraceful. And and when when Nehemiah hears this, he he sits down and he weeps. His heart is broken. He begins to fast and. You could imagine the humility that was part of this. I wonder if you've ever had a moment where God spoke to you clearly and there was something that took place in your heart that really stirred you. It really bothered you to the to the place where you knew you needed to do something about it, but you might not know exactly what you needed to do. I've been there before. I'm sure you have, too. As I read this journal, I wonder why why did this and this moment have such an impact on Nehemiah's life? And I believe it's because he was hearing of the plight of these people, not so much just with his ears, but also with his heart, because he cared about them. He cared about them and something significant had taken place and he he was bothered so much by it that he was called to a place of action. Something happened inside of him, something changed that day. I can remember and take you back to the place where I know without a shadow of a doubt, middle of my summer of my junior year of college, where God spoke to me and changed my life forever, sending me on a trajectory to be involved in church ministry in, in with my life. I remember I can take you back to the very spot. seems like a long time ago, but it changed my, the direction of my life. And I went back to school and changed courses and did all kinds of different things to prepare for, for the ministry. Let's go back to this journal that we're reading today from Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah's heart, he begins to have this new clarity of focus because he's a man of action and he's going to do something. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, listen to his prayer. It's so powerful. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Now look what he's already begun to do. 
Clearly, he's already taken this thing to the Lord. He said, look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. Now watch how he owns the situation. This is powerful. He says, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, and the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember that what you told your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place that I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. So you see, he's claiming some promises in this prayer. He said, it bothers me that the nation is so fragmented and scattered. But God, your promise is if we turn to you and we obey your laws and we obey your decrees, that you're going to do something that will unify us. You will bring us back together so that your name could be made great. He becomes very aware of this problem and something happens in him to push him to do something. And this is what I have learned. The more I pray, the more I dream. And the more I dream, the more I pray. That's what was happening in Nehemiah's life. And I believe today that's exactly what God intends to happen in your life during this new year as well. The more you pray, God will give you a dream. God will plant things deep inside of you. And you know what they're going to do? It's going to freak you out. And that's beautiful. Because after you get freaked out, the only thing you know to do is get back on your knees and pray again. Because you know what God is doing in your heart and in our lives as a church will never be accomplished on our own. I believe that's one of the beautiful pictures that we see here in this story. I have a friend that would say often, we need to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. I believe it's important for it to be in that combination. There are some people that just work like it depends on them. And you're not as effective as you could be. And there are some people that just pray but never do anything. And you're not as effective as it, it's not as effective as it should be in that regard either. But when we do this in combination, when we pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us, it's a powerful, powerful moment of being able to have real traction and to be able to accomplish great things for God. I want you to look at this verse again in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11. Nehemiah says this, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the, uh, to the prayers of those. Uh, listen to the prayer of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. What's happening here is, is uh, Nehemiah has gotten a vision for taking care of this wall that has been destroyed. And he knows that if he's going to be a man of action and have success, that he's going to have to have the king's favor to do that. So he begins to pray that God would work in the king's heart to be able to help him to see this plan come to fruition. God's done this in me before. I know God's changed not only the trajectory, but the place many different times. I could take you back to the, to the kitchen in Fort Collins when we knew that God was calling us to come to Castle Rock. Changed our lives forever. Forever. I didn't know what I was doing. Can I tell you that? Like, you talk about freaking out. Like, I had no idea how to start a church. Never, every church I ever went to already was going. Never went to a church that actually had nobody. 
But what an awesome opportunity we've had to be able to see God bringing us together to unify us to make a difference in this community. When God puts a passion in your heart, you have to take responsibility for it. Praying like it depends on God and working like it depends on you. Let me show you something in Nehemiah 1.11 that I think is so unique. Look at the last sentence of that verse. In those days, Nehemiah says, I was the king's official wall builder. Is that what it says? What was he? A cupbearer. Do you know what that is? That's a butler. He's the king's butler. Sounds like a good storyline for a movie Oprah would want to be in. The walls in that day and age were very important. A sign of security and protection and strength. Can we be honest just for a second? Nehemiah had no business building a wall. Why? He didn't have a hard hat. He didn't have a hammer. He had a white cloth over his arm. That's what he was. He was a butler, not a builder. But here's the other beautiful thing that's part of this story that's so true for each and every one of us in this room today. It's true for me. It's true for you. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so in a moment, like last week, Kyle did a great job teaching last week. And so many of you signed up and some of you are still a little worried because, you know, God's spoken to you about jumping in and being involved in different ways. And your heart just starts to get that panicked feeling when you start thinking about stepping up to volunteer. You don't just remember God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's the way he always does this. This is true, and it's true for you. Alfred Adler, the counselor, famous counselor, if you took intro to psychology back in the day, or you're a psychologist, you probably remember his name. He was famous for beginning his counseling sessions this way by asking a question. Tell me your earliest memory. Sounds like something a counselor would say, right? And then he would sit back and listen, and someone would begin to share it. One of his clients share their story, and then he would kind of sigh, and he was famous for saying, And so it is. That sounds like something, you know, here's your $250, right? (laughs) But the whole idea is this, that those memories that we have, even sometimes our first memories, are so powerful. Those are monumental times in our life, defining moments that, that do have impact on the rest of our lives. So this week I was thinking, you know, God called me to be involved in church work, and I've been involved in church since I was two or three years old. My mom came to faith when we were very young, and my dad shortly thereafter, and we got drugged to church, and and I'm telling you, we went to church a lot. I got a lot of church under my belt, and very, very differing experiences. I've got to be honest with you, I'm kind of a church mutt. My parents didn't have one denomination, so to speak, or one kind of church that they loved. It just seemed like wherever we went, at whatever season it was, they found a new church, and that's where we went. It was crazy. Some of my first memories are from a church in Wheaton, Illinois. we got some friends here that are part of our church now that that went to the church in Wheaton, Illinois. Wheaton, Wheaton Bible Church. Great church. I got in really big trouble in vacation Bible school there. Because in order to get the uh, Vacation VBS t-shirt, you had to tell them that you memorized your Bible verse. So I told them I memorized my Bible verse to get the shirt, and I really hadn't. And I got home, and my mom was like, how do you have that shirt already on day one of Vacation Bible School? And I was like, I don't know. So the next day, I had to go back in and get my shirt back. 
I can remember that church. Those are some of my first memories. I can remember, I can remember attending. Now watch this. This is the mutt part. You ready? <clears throat> I can remember attending the first Presbyterian church in Aurora, Illinois. Do you detect a shift there? <clears throat> and then we moved to Ohio and we went to the Grace Brethren Church in Worthington, Ohio. Moved back to Illinois and went to the Claim Street Baptist Church. Then I end up in school at Trinity International University that's affiliated with the Evangelical Free Denomination. And then I did an internship at Willow Creek, which is like probably one of the most well-known non-denominational churches in the world. And did an internship at a church called Calvary Temple in, in Waukegan, Illinois. And Beth and I were married at a, at a Presbyterian church in Deerfield, Illinois. And for 23 years, I've worked in the local church. And can I tell you something? I have some very strong opinions about church. Some of them because of great experiences and some of them from horrible experiences. Like, for example, when we picked the seating for this room, it wasn't going to be oak. <clears throat> Are you glad for that, right? Yeah. Now, they're not quite as comfy as the chairs in the movie theater, but they're close. I have an aversion to some things Related to the local church because of my experience. Can I tell you something? I hate boring sermons. I hate them. I don't like them. And I'm sure I've preached a few around here. But that doesn't mean that, that I like them very much. I've counted more ceiling tiles than most of the people in this room. I've thrown more spitballs and don't throw spitballs in here. Than most people might imagine. I can remember we used to... This is crazy. When we were at one of the, the, the Grace Brethren Church in Ohio, we would take little pieces of paper that my parents weren't in. This was like a youth service or something, I think. I don't remember what service it was. And we would write numbers on the pieces of paper. And then we would do like this and throw them in the pews behind us. And then it became a little game where we would, like when people, the guy was teaching, would like put his head down. We would duck down, slide underneath the pews all the way to the back and try and collect these pieces of paper in a certain amount of time. And whoever scored the most points won. True story. Something was wrong with that church. Would you agree? Something didn't, it wasn't clicking with me. So what's happened is God calls me to be part of this, this thing in the local church. And I want to make it something great. I want this to be something that you're excited about. And so all of this stuff has so impacted me. And if you want to adularize me on this one, and so it is, this is what's happened. Let me share with you how all of this has impacted my life. I'm done with boring church. I want you to come and enjoy it. It's okay to smile. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun at church. I'm kind of done with a church that just exists to exist. I don't want to be part of that, and neither do you. I, I'm done with church that doesn't treat, uh, teach the truth or does the same thing because they've always done the same thing, even when the same thing is no longer effective. I want to pastor a church that when you miss, you feel like you missed. Like you wonder, I wonder what happened at church this morning. I wonder what the message was about. I wonder what it is it that I missed out on. A church where people don't attend because they feel obligated because they actually want to come. When people hear that you enjoy coming to church, it blows their mind. I love it that we can be part of a church that just kind of naturally comes up in conversations instead of one that you want to hide from everybody. 
Oh man, listen to what happened at church this week. Or man, check out what our church is doing. Or whatever it is that you get excited about. Listen, I, I want this to be a church where you're excited to bring your friends. Like I can remember going to church a lot of times and my friends are like, yeah, what is it? they find out you go to church. Oh, I'll go. You know, uh-uh. Like, you don't know. Don't come with me. Baby, let me tell you, that thing is bad. Right? I want to be part of a church that when you leave, you feel better than when you, when you walk out, you feel better than you did when you walked in. And it's not because you weren't challenged to have life change. But it's because you were challenged and you have hope in your heart and you are excited about what God is doing. And you know that in your heart, He's challenging you to be the man or the woman that He's called you to be. A church that doesn't scare away the unchurched, but a church that the unchurched people actually like coming to. Imagine that. Don't we see in Scripture that people that were far from Jesus wanted to be around Jesus? Why? Here's why. Because if I stay focused on Jesus, and if you stay focused on Jesus, and if we stay focused on Jesus together, people are going to want to be part of that. You know why? He's like a magnet. We want to understand what it is that He's doing in our lives and through our church. We want to be, this is crazy, I was thinking this week that we're a church that's forever twisted and ruined because the smell of popcorn is spiritual. (laughs) If you didn't laugh, welcome. We're glad you're here. And the reason you don't get it is because popcorn is sacred to us because we used to meet in a movie theater. And you know what, I'll bet you, if you think back to just a few months ago, And reflect on your experience at Plum Creek. I'll bet you there's some very sacred moments that took place in Theater 7 or Theater 8. I love when people tell me, hey, Doug, I went to church and I saw a movie. I got a text just on Thursday night. Actually, it was last night. Somebody was uh, at a movie in Theater 8. They're like, man, it just seems like you should be getting up to teach me. I want this to be a church where where we strive to be one of the most creative places in our community. A church that's known more for what we're for than what we're against. A church that's passionate about teaching what Jesus taught and teaching the gospel message. A church that's crazy about Jesus. A church that just randomly finds us in the marketplace and finds us involved in this community. A church that understands, and I'm going to talk about this more next week, that... that, uh, That God will bless us in proportion to how we give. Can I tell you, I am so proud of our church. I'm proud of the way that that we can unify together to make a difference. And I can tell you, like, I had a sense of pride last week as Keith was launching his church. I was nervous for him, but I was so proud that we were able to have a small part in what God was doing. One of the most sacred moments of that weekend was... At the end of his message, Keith was presenting the gospel so purely and challenging people to have Jesus in their life and to come to him and ask for forgiveness and to allow him to be the Lord of his life. And his dad is 90 years old and he was there and he was sitting right over in this spot over there. 90 years old, he can hardly walk. And Keith is preaching his heart out and his daddy just kind of stands up like you do, I suppose, in Alberton, Georgia. And he raised his hand up and he said... Preach it, son. Preach it, son. And it was like he had a cheering section as he was presenting the gospel. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, that Plum Creek has a part in this. Beautiful picture of what God is calling us to do 
as a church. If I could just be part of something like this. Man, I hope that you see that this is something that you could give your heart and your life to as well. Because you see, it can be a great idea in Doug's mind and in Doug's heart. But until we decide together to link arms, we will never be... I've heard people say this many, many times. You know, I don't know if I need church. Okay. Okay. Look at me. Here's what you need to know. This church needs you. You are not here on accident. And you have talents. And you have gifts. And you have passions that God wants to use to make a difference in this community. Truth be told, I am so driven by this thought that God is calling Plum Creek to build a spiritual wall around this town. We want this to be a place where people, where Jesus is famous and where people are seeing the reality of the life change that can take place in your life and my life when we put him on display by the way that we live and the way that we talk and the way that we care and the way that we love the people that are around us. We want to make this a safe place that that somehow the spiritual climate in Castle Rock would be totally different because we're here and we're unified together to accomplish his mission. God is calling us to build a spiritual wall around this town. And I take this very seriously. We're praying a perimeter around this place. What I want to happen is I want the love of Jesus to be unignorable. And that's not even a word. I want people to be compelled by what Jesus has done in us. That it changes us and that we care about this community and our world differently. But here's what you need to hear today. This wall that we're building, it's a wall that we need to build together. I don't want to build this wall without your help. And we're never going to be as effective as as we should be unless you are helping. And so that means, like Keith has said many times, that it's not just about the Sunday experience that you have, but more importantly, it is about the other six days of the week. It's knowing that you and I carry with us an important mandate and and we're passionate about building the spiritual wall for our community. We build this wall together. Remember the movie uh, that Kevin Costner was in back in the late 80s called The Field of Dreams? And he was out walking around some cornfield in some Midwest town, I think it was in Iowa. And the voice he heard, remember what it said? If you build it. Yeah, and here's what I need you to hear today. It has nothing to do with the building. Nothing. If we build what we're talking about here today, if we build this kind of church, it's not a building, it's people. You can't come to church, you can go be with the church. But when we live this way, when we live this gospel out in front of this community, it will forever be changed. It's clear in the gospel that Jesus couldn't keep people away. The word crowd is used over a hundred times in the gospels. Why? Because you can't keep people away from Jesus. So when we stay passionate about Jesus together, people are going to be compelled to understand and they're going to want to come. And I hope this begins to quicken the pace of your heart because that's the way God created you. You're not here by accident. 2014 needs to be a whole new kind of year. A new year for you to be involved. A new year for you to take your spiritual growth and very passion. It needs to be a new, a new growing passion in your life that, that you're not just going to let 2014 come and go without growing in your personal relationship with the Lord. 
I believe if you're going to have the best spiritual year of your life, that you're going to have to be intentional in order for that to happen. You need to have God's dream overflowing in your heart. I need to have that for me, and you need to have that for you. So let's let this year be a year where you and I commit to that kind of passionate spiritual growth. This is your responsibility. My prayer is that the Word of God, this year more than ever before, will become the operating system of your life. That this this Word, the principles and the things that are taught here and the mandates from Scripture, that you would learn them in a whole new way and so this would be how you live your life. I wonder what it would look like if each of us were were hearing the call and it was an all-hands-on-deck kind of year where we all stepped up to help in new ways. Do you know, I gave away a gift card in the first service to Elaine Stucy. She was our 500th like on Facebook. Listen, I'm glad 500 people like us. And I know there's more than that. But you know what I would be more excited about? 500 more people linking arms and serving with us. Because that's how we get strong. So this year, I want you to commit to being involved. And so many of you did that last week in signing up for serving opportunities and investing your time and your talent and your resource. We're going to be launching some small groups here shortly too for you to get involved in. And I just want to share with you a couple of the things that have been happening here at Plum Creek and as we head into 2014 that continue to be initiatives that we're going to to really stay focused on. First of all, I am so proud of Pastor Emily and all of her team that's serving our kids. And can I tell you how much joy I have to walk down a hallway that's theirs. To see those kids in those cool rooms with chairs that fit them and they're not on a sticky floor of a movie theater anymore. It's so fun to see all the volunteers in there that are making a difference in these kids' lives, developing relationships with them, teaching them about the Lord. And listen, for those of you that have young kids, you know how big this is. It's such an important piece of your kids' spiritual development. And so it's fun to be able to have a place where your kids actually enjoy coming to church. Isn't that great? I'm so proud of their team and their volunteers and everything that they have been doing. And, and, and as we headed into our new facility, one of, the, one of the biggest changes that we've made in our kids' ministry is that we divided the elementary ages so that they could have topics and teaching that was more specifically directed to their age group and their development. This has been powerful. And so kindergarten through third grade is in the, the far back room. And the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders are in the room right across uh, the hallway. We hear them sometimes. And it's been so fun to hear the stories from parents of what God has done in their kids' hearts as they're connecting with their leaders that are leading their small groups and the conversations about things that that they've been talking about and that they're praying about. And one mom even said, tears in her eyes, this is exactly what my kid needed so that they would feel just excited about coming back to church. So fun to see this kind of growth and development. Listen, men, can I talk to you for a second? There are a lot of 4th, 5th, and 6th grade boys in our church. And we need some more men to help out in there. Now I need you to know the coolest thing, we have two services. So you could actually come and serve in one, and then you could come to the other service. And some young men would be very appreciative of your help. We'll train you, we'll get you ready to go, and listen, remember this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. 
I believe you could make a prevailing difference in a young man's life. Guys, will you help me? Can I get some men to step up and help us in that area? Because I know it would make a significant difference in those kids' lives. And listen to me, parents. This is so important. Pastor Emily has worked very hard to put together a system that will that will provide you with the materials and the resources that you need so that as parents, when you go home, you have some tools to have spiritual conversations with your kids. If you are leaving the spiritual development of your kids to one hour on Sunday morning, you are making a big mistake. This needs to be regularly a part of your family's DNA. And so Emily is working hard to provide you with the, the materials and the resources you need to have a, have a family night kind of a time where you can sit down and, and, and share with them some principles from, from Scripture and teach them a lesson and where they can have the materials to do little God times on their own and those types of things. So make sure that you're taking full advantage of all of that. We're trying to equip you to do your job as spiritual leaders in your home. Make sure you're not just leaving that to Sunday morning. Now, Pastor Kyle is doing, didn't he do a great job last week? He's a gifted communicator. He's also doing a great job leading our student ministry. And this has been a fun year. The last five or six months, we've watched Kyle put together an amazing team of volunteers, over 30 volunteers helping out uh, on Sunday nights with our teenagers. And just two, two weeks ago, I think it was, they split the junior high and the senior high for the first time with a meal in between. And it's been going so well. Kyle continues to need more leaders. And I would challenge some of you, if you could do that, 2014 is going to be a year where we significantly impact the students in our community. They're kicking off journey groups and they're doing lots of different things on on the activities and things that are happening. These are life-changing opportunities for our students. Students, listen to me. If you haven't gotten plugged in yet, you need to. This is how you get to know some other friends that are going to the same schools that you are that share your same passion for the Lord. It's awesome to be able to see those kinds of relationships developed with the youth leaders that are in there. And let me tell you, this, this, this could be a really big year for you if you would make a commitment to being fully vested and involved in the student ministry. Pastor Rachel and her team are gearing up for another Journey Group launch here in the first quarter of 2014. And, and I want to tell you, if you're a Plum Creeker, I strongly encourage you to get involved in a Journey Group. God doesn't want you to do your spiritual life in isolation. He wants you to do it in community. And for those of you that have been involved in a journey group, let me tell you, you know how vitally important... Just raise your hand if you've ever been in a journey group or a small group before in your life. Just raise your hand real quick. Good experience, powerful experience. Grow in your walk with the Lord and get connected with other people. That's what this is all about. So we have... Uh, lots of people, over 43 groups, uh, 10 brand new groups getting, getting ready to start. I love the stories of how you are being used by God to make a difference in people's lives, and there's a lot of them. To the last part of this year was also the brand new kind of relaunch of our welcome experience. Have you experienced the new welcome experience? From the street to the seat is their passion. If you're looking for a place to serve, it's been so amazing to see those Folks showing up early, sometimes putting on a winter cap to head out to the parking lot to wave and to get you into a good parking spot and to greet you all the way to your seat. Awesome. A great place for you to be able to get plugged in. And next week, we're also doing something that you've heard a little bit about, the saturation event, where we've been uh, kind of have this challenge that we want to we want to saturate our new building with the word of God. So in two days, our plan is to read the entire the entire Bible in two days in different locations all throughout our building. Now, if you don't come, I'm going to have to read a lot. 
And so I need your help with that. There's still several slots for you to sign up and and you just come and read for 15 minutes and then you can go on Friday night and Saturday morning. And we're going to just go in different locations all throughout the Bible. We'll give you your reading passage and you go read and then you can leave and go do your thing. But we could use your help to to be able to uh, accomplish that. I have a dream that we would use effectively that house that God gave us that's in front of our property. You know, that was donated to us. And I have a dream that God would help us to be able to use that house efficiently. So I'm going to need some help. We need to get it ready. And that's going to cost a little bit of money. We need to put in a shower downstairs and we need to put uh, some, some drains in for, for a washer and dryer. Because I want that house to have interns in it. I believe that God's calling us as a church to have a place where some folks that are looking for some experience in the ministry could come and could serve and also be served and to have great experience that would launch them into the calling that God has on their lives. I believe that if we work hard at doing this, that we could have one of the premier internship programs in the country that people would want. I mean, who doesn't want to come to Colorado? To have a chance to be able to work with our staff and to serve our church and our community would be awesome. Now, I need to also tell you, we have some amazing series planned for this year. I'm super excited about the next one that we're going to start. And here's why. Not this week, but next week, we're going to start a series called The Very Sexy Series. Some of you were part of our sexy series the last time we did it. And the reason why I believe this is so important is because our culture has so miscommunicated what sex is all about. And I'm an old youth pastor at heart, and I get kind of excited to talk about sex. You know why? This is part of the series. I like sex. You never thought you'd hear that at church, did you? It's okay. It's okay. But I, I want you to know what the Bible says about this. Because if we're not healthy in this area, you're going to be unhealthy in a lot of areas. And so we're going to talk about that. But if you have a child that's in fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, I'm going to give you that word now. Make sure they're in their class. But if you have a teenager that that is a part of your family, you're going to want them to be here because we're going to talk directly about sexuality and what that looks like according to to God's plans. The bottom line is this, you guys, I believe that church is a tag team sport and we're working together in this community. You know, people that I will never know and I know people that you will never know. And so together, when we take this mandate to build the spiritual wall in our community seriously, when you're living your life, when you're engaged in relationships in your community and, and in your neighborhood and at work, you're naturally going to be talking about what God is doing in your life. And that's going to make a difference in other people's lives too. And on occasion, you'll invite them to come to church. And when you do, I'm going to see the look in your eyes because I've seen it and heard it many times. Like, dude, seriously, my friend came today. Don't screw this thing up, right? You know how many times I've heard that? A lot. Can I tell you my pledge to you? I'm going to do everything I can to not screw that up. I want people to hear about Jesus, my Jesus, and how Jesus has changed my life and how Jesus can change your life too. So I'll pray hard and I'll prepare hard and I'll do the very best that I can. I pledge that to you. But here's what I need from you. As soon as you stand up from your non-oak chair... And you head out these doors, I tag you. And I want you to be just as passionate as I am about this. I want you to be prayed up. I want you to be growing in your faith. 
And I want you to be sharing the story of how Jesus has impacted your life with the people that you come into contact with. When we do that together, the spiritual wall in this community will go up strong. And we'll know that this is a different place because we're here and because we're on mission. See, God has put a dream in our hearts. In Nehemiah chapter 3, if you read some more of Nehemiah's journal entries, you'll see that there's a list of some names of people that help rebuild different portions of the wall. And it would be, you know, like Mike built gate, whatever. And this week when I was reading that, I was like, dude, Mike got in the Bible. Like how cool, what did he do? He built a wall and he's immortalized in scripture because he helped build a wall. Here's what I'm asking you. Don't miss out on a chance to be part of a spiritual heritage and the spiritual history of our community. Now you're not going to get in the Bible, but together we can make a difference in this town. The last little part of this passage of scripture that I want to read is in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15. It says this, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. Look at this last sentence. This is my prayer for this church. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. That's what I want. I want people to look at Plum Creek and to look at you and do this. You guys aren't that good. I don't get it. How are you able to accomplish what you've accomplished? How are you able to see done what's been done? How are we able to see so many lives changed and people actually excited about their walk with God and their faith journey? And we'll just smile and say, it's the big guy. Because the reality is this, none of us are this good. But our God is great. And He's calling you and me together to build a spiritual wall around this community. And there's a part in the building of that wall that only you can do. And I want you to do the very best you can knowing that God's not going to call the qualified, but He will qualify the call. And together, we can change this city and this town will be different because Plum Creekers take their faith serious and are doing everything that we can to change this town for Him. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? God, will you help this to be the best year that we've ever had as a church. Will you help each of us to understand that church is a tag team sport and we all have responsibilities? Lord, I pray that you will continue to plant deeply in our hearts and our souls your dream for what you're calling us to accomplish. Lord, I pray that you will help us even this afternoon or God later in the week to to be able to creatively be praying over and having conversations with people in our community that need Jesus. God, will you give us a chance to do that well? Father, we pray that you would be honored and just like it was said of Nehemiah and his team, Lord, we pray that people would realize that the work that we've been able to do was done only with the help of our God. Thank you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Plum Creek.
we wanted to take just a few minutes to let you know about some upcoming events and opportunities happening here at Plum Creek Church. Coming up next weekend, January 24th and 25th, we are having what we're calling a saturation event. Over the course of eight hours, spread over two days, we'll be reading the entire Bible at various locations throughout the church. And we're coming down to crunch time, so we desperately need your help. This is a great way to get involved as an individual or as a family, and won't take much of your time. Right now, we have just over 200 of our 15-minute reading time slots remaining. So, come be a part of something really cool. Head out to the atrium after the service and sign up. Also happening today in the atrium, Journey Group Signups. To browse a list of groups and to sign up, visit the Connection Corner right after the service. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and would like some additional information on what Journey Groups actually are, you can also visit the Connection Corner after the service and one of our team members would be happy to answer your questions and help you get connected. Next Sunday, January 26th at 3 p.m., we are having a special worship service to dedicate our new building. The entire Plum Creek Church family, as well as the entire Castle Rock community, is invited to join us for a special time of worship and thanks for all God has done and will do through our new facility. For the first time in 20 weeks, there will be no football on television, so there's zero excuse not to be here. Invite your friends and family and join us next Sunday afternoon. Like last week, the serve table will be in the atrium after the service. If you missed your opportunity last week, this is a chance for you to use your gifting to serve God and others here at Plum Creek. Check out the ministry area description on the back of this card, and our hope is that you see yourself fitting in one of these areas. If you like to smile at people, the Welcome Experience team might be the right fit for you. If you like to do artsy stuff like drink coffee and wear glasses, there's a place for you on my team, Creative Arts. Bottom line, we have a team for all personalities and skill sets, and we'd be happy to help you figure out where you best fit. Come see us after the service to ask questions and to sign up. If you'd like more information about Plum Creek or anything you've heard here today, you can stop by the Connection Corner in the atrium or visit us online at PlumCreekOnline.com. And make sure you can stay connected with us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date on everything Plum Creek. So I had you stand up early. Thank you. <clears throat> it's okay, right? Your feet are ready for walking. Guys, gonna, do you have any Patriots fans here? Damn, I got a couple. Yeah. Collective booze, right? Well, here's the deal. This is all I'll say and we'll leave. You're fortunate that your team is still playing. And so I will root for the Broncos today. <clears throat> but please remember this. You stole our colors. We were in the year, we were in the league first. Go Broncos. See you guys next Sunday. Love you.